Welcome to ShopCast, talking retail strategy with your host, Michael Dart. In this program, we'll spotlight the changes you need to know about in the world of retail shopping and help you plan for the future of the industry. Now, here is Michael Dart. Hello and welcome to ShopCast, the podcast that spends all its time focused on discussing what's happening in retail today and specifically thinking about retail strategy. I'm Michael Dart and I'm your host. I'm a partner at AT Kearney and also co-author of Retail Seismic Shift, a great book. I encourage everybody to get a copy. For those of you who've listened to this show previously, uh, we are under a new format now. So this is going to be a 25-minute podcast, which we hope uh, you can join us for the entirety and also that you find uh, both valuable, entertaining, and uh, pretty interesting. I'm particularly excited today because we're going to be talking about one of the most dynamic sectors in retail today, and I'm going to be talking with somebody who knows a tremendous amount about what's happening in that, in that sector, and this is the retail pharmacy sector. I think all of us during the course of our lives will pretty much uh, interact with this sector one way or another. For many folks, it's a, a very common event, uh, going to get a prescription filled. According to Pew Research, we spend about $450 billion a year uh, on prescriptions and, and medications, and that's only going to increase with an aging population, uh, with a lot of new drugs, with inflation and, and many other trends, uh, this sector is going to see a lot of growth. But it's also seeing a tremendous amount of competitive pressure, competitive change, and like all of retail, is really pretty dynamic. Let me give you a couple of uh, recent examples that you may be familiar with. Uh, first of all, uh, Amazon has decided that it's going to enter into this part of uh, uh, the retail chain. They recently acquired a company called PillPack, which is an online pharmacy startup, uh, which sorts, delivers medication, refills. And obviously with Amazon's uh, infrastructure, and they could put it on Prime. They could potentially use Alexa for uh, both renewing prescriptions, reminding you when to take prescriptions and take your drug. They could put it in Whole Foods and potentially change uh, how uh, Whole Foods uh, interacts with the consumer as well. On top of that, you've also got the looming merger of CVS and Aetna. And so a vertical integration here between a health uh, care plan and the retail pharmacy chain. And CVS is doing a lot of other interesting things as well, including from its uh, roughly 10,000 stores offering home delivery. So we're seeing a lot of the same trends that have played out in retail broadly, really hitting the retail pharmacy sector here in a big, big way. And it's it's interesting. It's not only impacting some of the big players, which I mentioned, Amazon, CVS, obviously Walgreens, having a big impact on the independent pharmacist as well, who plays a critical role in, in this industry, in this sector of the economy. And today I'm going to be talking with Brian Nightingale, who knows not only a tremendous amount about the sector in totality, but spends a ton of time uh, working with independent pharmacies. He's president of Good Neighbor Pharmacy, which is part of Amerisource Bergen's program. He's also senior vice president, community and specialty pharmacy solutions, and a tremendous amount of experience as a, as a doctor himself, and a, a tremendous industry experience. So, Brian, it's, uh, it's fantastic to have you uh, here today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, same here as well. So to kick off, I'd love to go into and uh, talk about how do you end up in pharmacy retail? What happened and uh, uh, what were the drivers in your career that uh, led you to uh, to this uh, part of uh, 
uh, the industry? Uh, that's uh, that's a good one. Um, to be honest with you, early on, I, I uh, knew very little about uh, pharmacy. I always wanted to be a veterinarian, uh, really all the way through my sophomore year in college. And really the defining moment for me was I have a neighbor friend of mine that was a family pharmacist, and uh, I was able to spend a good part of the day with him in his independent community pharmacy and was really impressed by the way that his customers connected with him and his staff. They connected in a very personal way. I mean, I could tell that they had an impact and the, the care that they provided had an impact very personally on, you know, their customers that came into their store. So did a little bit more research and decided that uh, human health and, and pharmacy was uh, something that I was more passionate in pursuing and headed down that path. That's really interesting. So what is your job today? And for those folks who don't know much about Amerisource Bergen and the Good Neighbor Pharmacy Program, uh, curious if you could give us a little bit of background and insight into that. Sure. So the, the Good Neighbor Pharmacy Program really is a uh, our Amerisource Bergen's banner program that supports a network of over 4,000 independently owned community pharmacies across uh, the U.S. and Puerto Rico, St. Thomas, Saipan and Guam, um, and our job really each and every day is to provide you know needed expertise and solu- solutions and and just general support to help our independently owned community pharmacies thrive uh, in the ever changing healthcare market that that uh, you, know, you talked about at the opening. Um, and so you know we provide the scale, scope, and expertise that we have as a large company to help the small companies, uh, you know, in their local communities thrive. Um, and, and so it requires a lot of attention to detail, certainly a lot of caring and understanding of an entrepreneurial spirit, um, and certainly an understanding of an ever-shifting marketplace. So you, you're really working with the, the independents to help provide a lot of the competencies, whether or not that's merchandising strategy or uh, how to engage the customer or back office support that can help them uh, manage to compete against a lot of the big box guys and uh, and obviously potentially Amazon as it comes online. Is that is that how I should think about it? it exactly, exactly. So if you think about a you know a local independent owner who was trained very clinically to to be a pharmacist and provide care, uh, quite honestly, is not trained um, very extensively to be a good retailer. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you certainly learn about planograms and product placement, but that's about it. So uh, we're able to provide a lot of that scale and scope that the the chains enjoy having, uh, you know, in their own in their own departments and their own uh, central offices. We we provide that for the the local independents and allow them the the flexibility to customize really their retail operations to their unique um, communities that they serve. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Brian, I'm pretty bullish on independent mom-and-pop retailers being real successful. I'd like to dig into that as we go through the conversation because I think it it is a an area where there's a tremendous advantage for a lot of mom-and-pops, uh, but it's also very, very challenging as well for the, a lot of these independent pharmacists. But before we get there, I'd love to get your take on what are the big healthcare trends that are shaping the industry? You know, what is the customer and the consumer looking for when they think about their healthcare and particularly interfacing you know, with the retail pharmacist today? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from a, you know, the most urgent trend, to be honest with you, from a kind of a pharmacy retailer perspective, um, it really revolves around uh, 
shrinking prescription drug reimbursement as drug costs skyrocket. Um, you know, everybody is looking for ways to uh, to contain those costs, and you know, it's really challenging right now for a lot of the the uh, not just independents but uh, you know drug retailers uh, as a whole to uh, you know to really fend off uh, a lot of the pressures in, in, in declining drug reimbursement. But that's, quite honestly, probably a whole entire podcast we could devote to that. Yeah. I'd say from the, kind of from a macro trend perspective, uh, what we're grappling with the most is, is how to transform and evolve um, you know, the businesses to best address the needs uh, and expectations of a rapidly changing uh, customer base. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, one of the main key applications to healthcare that, that I took away from your book, uh, Retail Seismic Shift, um, is that consumer mindset is changing rapidly. And, and that mindset is, is changing from one of kind of treating illness and managing health to one of preventing sickness and, and optimizing well-being. And while these may sound very similar uh, in words, mm-hmm. uh, in my view, um, they are quite different. Uh, the, the first one, treating illness and managing health, kind of implies that our job as healthcare practitioners and providers is to react to what our patient's health status is and help manage through that health status with our product services and, and care delivery models. And the key term there, I think, is really patience. And in a traditional environment, you know, consumers become patients when they become ill or don't feel well. Um, the latter, which I think, uh, again, your, your book and, and expertise so clearly highlights, you know, the latter, the shift of the mindset of preventing sickness and optimizing well-being, um, really, I think, shifts that expectation to a healthcare provider becoming wellness advisors who recommend, you know, and provide products and services and experiences that optimize overall well-being rather than just simply managing through, you know, health issues. Um, and unfortunately, right now, our current healthcare ecosystem has been built around that traditional patient mindset. Uh, so, uh, again, when you look at the, the great demographic shifts that you, uh, you know, so eloquently describe in the book, over the next five to ten years, um, us as healthcare retailers and, and pharmacy retailers are going to have to act and adapt rapidly to that shifting mindset, and that means completely changing the in-store and online experience uh, to one around optimizing overall well-being. That's really interesting. And by the way, I love the plug for the book, so uh, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> Even though I hadn't asked for it, I will in the future, though, uh, but appreciate that. Uh, and so I think that's a really interesting point, the shift from a patient, somebody who's basically um, coming in now to receive something that they've been told to get versus what I understood, Brian, tell me if this is correct from what you said, somebody who's now taking much more ownership over their entire well-being. And we're seeing it obviously in so many different sectors in terms of, you know, just health and wellness trends into, you know, the number of people who have gym memberships, personal trainers, seeking educational courses to to look after their well-being who aren't in any way, shape or form uh, sick, but really want to optimize their well-being. That's the shift that you're talking about. And, and how does that play out if, uh, uh, if I can ask in, in the, the pharmacy setting? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's just interesting just to, to give a specific highlight to that, that mind, mind shift. Um, we did some of our own research, consumer-based research, 
And you know, what we found is that many people are what we call pill-phobic. Uh, they, they don't like taking medicine even though they're told to. Um, they don't want to take medicine, prescribe medicine, because it identifies it, them as being not well. Um, but on the other hand, those same individuals are more than happy to go to a store or go online and purchase multiple, multiple supplements and, and well-being products that are recommended by their friends and family, let alone you know, a healthcare provider. So uh, that's, that's a very true. specific example of, of that shift in mindset. It's not necessarily about not wanting to take a pill. It's yeah. about not wanting to take a pill that identifies you as being not well but more than willing to take a pill or several that's going to help you, uh, you know, help with your overall well-being. So that's number one. And, and I think from an independent, uh, you know, community pharmacy perspective, um, you know, where the opportunity in that is to, to be nimble and be able to be that, that expert consultant that is highly accessible. So even if uh, someone chooses to get their medications online, they're still going to want that personal uh, touch, that personal expertise from someone they can trust, someone that they know uh, well uh, personally, and most importantly, someone that, that they, they know knows them. Um, and it's that two-way relationship that I think will make a big difference. And our independent community pharmacies are well-suited to create that personalized, customized approach uh, because, quite frankly, they don't have, you know, the high volume of prescriptions to fill like a large chain well. So they've got more time to provide that care and that personalized approach. Um, now, it's, it's not that easy. They've got to be willing to adapt and change. Uh, they need to adapt technology, um, and they need to be able to, to basically serve their patients and consumers where, when, and how they want to be served. Um, as even as an independent owner uh, and entrepreneur. Brian, that's uh, really interesting. And we're going to take a, a short break now. And I want to pick up on this theme when we come back about uh, what the consumer wants and uh, how different folks can meet their needs. So you're listening to Shopcast. I'm with Brian Nightingale, who's president of uh, Good Neighbor Pharmacy, part of Amerisource Bergen. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Only 12% of companies from the original Fortune 500 list remain on the list today. How do you ensure your organization stands the test of time? A.T. Carney works with Fortune 500 companies every day to answer this question. Visit ATCarney.com to find out more. The American consumer market will soon include six generations for the first time. Prepare for the era of personalization and total connectivity with insights from consumers at 250. Join the conversation at atcarney.com forward slash consumers dash 250. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're tuned in to ShopCast, talking retail strategy, featuring Michael Dart as your host. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to ShopCast with uh, Michael Dart and Brian Nightingale talking about the future of retail pharmacy. So, Brian, we're talking about emerging customer needs and, and how there's been this big mind shift change in terms of what the customer is looking for. Curious, as you look at the pharmacy retail landscape today, you know, the big box guys, obviously online and, and what Amazon's going to do as well as the independents, what do you think is going to happen and what are the big trends uh, across those sectors as they try and meet these emerging customer needs? Yeah, I, I wish I knew all the answer to that. So that's a challenging question because it is a, such a dynamic environment that we're in. And I, I think everybody's trying to figure that out. And, and certainly, um, everyone in this space is competing for the attention of the patient and healthcare consumer. Um, and, and that consumer is defined, you know, in, in many different ways. Um, and those consumers have, you know, many, many options. Uh, and they'll continue to choose, I think, the channel option uh, that best suits their expectations and needs, right? whether that be, you know, mail order, whether that be big box change, grocery store, uh, or small independent, um, you know, all of those offerings are, are going to continue to be viable uh, in different ways. Um, you know, cost, convenience, and care are, are critical uh, importance to that decision-making process. And if you take each one of those separately, um, you know, consumers and patients are going to define those um, in different ways. But cost, uh, it's unique in healthcare, especially in the prescription drug market, because cost is primarily dictated by, you know, the, the consumer's health insurance plan. Um, and so, you know, assuming that there's, there's similar coverage across uh, the network, uh, the cost factor is, is basically uh, the same, whether you get it in an independent retail or a, or a big box chain or, or quite frankly, online, because it's all dictated by the patient copay. So um, that takes one of the, you know, key factors kind of out of the equation a little bit. You know, the right. next is convenience, and, and the consumer is going to define convenience in, in their own terms. And so in some cases, that convenience is online. Uh, sometimes that convenience is uh, simply a drive-through where they can just drive right through with, the, with their kids in the, in the car and never have to get out. Uh, and sometimes that convenience is going to be, you know, same-day home delivery. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the independents, you know, provide uh, really the latter two quite well. Um, and then sometimes that convenience is going to be defined by my ability to have a confidential and intimate conversation with my pharmacist about a healthcare need that I have. Um, so I think each of kind of the key segments within the pharmacy sector are going to yeah. cater uh, to differing definitions um, of cost, convenience, and, and care. So yeah. I think in a lot of ways, the consumer will self-select into that channel that de- makes those definitions most, you meet, meets those expectations and, and uh, definitions 
in their own way. There's plenty of consumers to go around. I think yep. the unique aspect for the independents is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, they have that personalized touch. They can be more flexible to the needs of their communities. Um, they can customize uh, really uh, and, and make that value-based connection in their micro-communities that they serve um, because they don't have to kind of follow a one-size-fits-all model uh, that, quite frankly, a lot of the large big-box chains have, have built their, their infrastructure around. Um, yeah, so it, I, I, think, I think they're all going to, to need to evolve. I just think that the independents and their niche uh, offerings uh, in their smaller communities are going to be able to do it quicker. You know, it's really interesting what you say because I, I agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, specifically when I think about the independents and some of the work I, uh, that I've done looking at them, it, it, it makes the fun of the store even more important for them, that retail aspect as well. Because if the cost is, you know, the same across all of the channels, um, you know, obviously they're going to self-select based upon most convenient. But one thing that uh, the independent pharmacist can do is really make that front of the store really engaging, really interesting and tailored to their uh, to their particular you know, consumer base. You know, it seemed to me there's an awful lot of potential to improve on that front for a lot of folks. But but uh, yeah. uh, it does seem uh, that that's going to increasingly become important into the future. And I'm curious, as you think about ways to win for the independent pharmacists, is, is that a way to win? And what else should they be doing? Absolutely. It's, it's a key uh, way to win because, you know, they, they don't have as many square footed, you know, as, as much square footage in the front of their store as a big box would have. So it's critical that they, you know, they optimize that space um, in a manner that, that uh, you know, creates that, that great customer experience that's going to um, invite their their customers to drive past two or three chains just to come into their location. And so certainly part of it is a cleaner um, and well-organized uh, front end that has unique services and, and products that, um, that are easy to find um, and, and at the right price. So that's certainly something that we help them with as well. The other is that 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 experience with the um, you know with their staff out front. Um, you know, we just uh, it was just announced this last week that Good Neighbor Pharmacy was recognized uh, by JD Power and Associates again as uh, the first in overall customer satisfaction, and that's uh, uh, an honor that we've had seven out of the last nine years. Um, yeah, and so that's an indicator that these small independent you know that, that consumers love. They're small independent community pharmacies, and, and they go back time and time again. And one of the key drivers of that overall customer satisfaction, as noted in the survey, was their ability, uh, their availability of, of health and wellness services beyond just the prescription. Uh-huh. And then secondly, a, another key driver was in overall satisfaction was the, the non-pharmacist staff greeting, greetings in a friendly manner. So, you know, service with a smile still matters. Um, enhanced uh, care and health and wellness uh, surely stands out, and and so those are keys. And then I think the the other thing, um, and a lot of it does align with uh, with the uh, seven C's concept that you outline in your book. The independent pharmacy is all about community. Uh, they're mm-hmm. all about customization, and they're all about connectivity uh, in a very personal way. And so I think the more that they can leverage uh, their nimbleness and ability to connect. Uh, within their communities, customize their services, and provide that high-touch service, 
uh, they're going to attract, um, you know, the type of customers uh, that, that are, are looking for that um, along the way. And I think they're also going to need to adapt um, to the modern age, of course, and, and adapt to more technologies and, and uh-huh. have online solutions as well. Uh, but uh, I think that's, that's the key is, is really focusing on uh, those seven C's and, and capitalizing on, on that personalized service. You know, it's interesting you say that. And again, uh, obviously, I like the seven C's. And, and I think one sector that's applied them really well has actually been the independent bookstops, uh, which now is one of the, ironically, the fastest growing retail sectors. Uh, it's, you know, battered initially by the big box guys, you know, when Barnes and & Noble and Borders took a lot of share and obviously got battered again by Amazon when Amazon really went after yep. books. But for the those, you know, for those guys who survived that and were creative, you know, by curating the right books, selecting it, writing nice reviews, being part of the community, uh, connecting with the consumers as they come in in a much more personal way, it's clearly proven to be a model that the consumer loves to go and spend time at and actually will spend their dollars there as well. So yeah. it's maybe an interesting analog for uh, the independent pharmacists as they go through their right. journey as well. Absolutely, and I think another that, that's a great one. Another one is the floral industry. Uh, what's intriguing yeah. about that is you know the, the the floral industry is dominated by locally owned independents that you know are able to provide that that consultative service, even though the flowers all look the same um, uh-huh. and quite frankly probably come from the same place. Um, it's how they how they present the, their expertise, how they deliver uh, in their local communities, and, and also their online presence. So. I think it's a great example of where online meets local in a perfect way to, to meet the needs of, of uh, the local consumer. Yeah. I came across a phrase recently, which I quite like, called on life, which is the intersection of online and your life. And it's sort of saying that's uh, whether it's a good term or not, but it's a, one that stuck with me is this on life concept that, uh, you know, the merging of online with every other part of our uh, physical life is just going to continue to increase, but uh, uh, we're not we're not sort of giving up on the physical part. We're just integrating the two together, and uh, who does that? Absolutely, totally Absolutely. agree. It's going to be ultimately a winner. So I quite like that. Um, since you mentioned florists, and we started talking uh, a little bit outside of independent pharmacy and the pharmacy channel. Who who else do you really admire in retail today? And any other big trends you've seen uh, broadly across? the industry that you think would be worth highlighting that could be applicable to, uh, I guess, to anybody? Yeah, you know, I think um, you know, we've talked about uh, a lot of things, the, the local connection and, and the customized service and stuff, but, uh, you know, one thing we haven't really addressed much is, is values. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I love the outdoors. I love, uh, you, know, you know, outdoor activities, fishing, hiking, and all that kind of good stuff. And, and you know, I really like... REI um, and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of their messaging yeah. as an example. Um, you know, they have a great in-store experience. They certainly have a, a nice online experience as well. Um, but what I really admire about them goes beyond that. Um, I think they do a really good job of promoting their values and yeah. aligning those values to those of their customers. Um, and that creates a lot of loyalty. A uh, perfect example of that is is uh, their Black Friday campaign. Um, here's a mm-hmm. large retailer that um, actually closes their doors on the busiest shopping day of the year and encourages all of their associates, their customers, and their business partners to spend the day outside. Um, and yeah. that's what their store is all about. So, you know, by shutting down and closing their stores 
uh, on Black Friday um, and encouraging you know all of their 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 patrons and, and associates to go outside and, and be active. Um, you know that's a that's a business that's living and breathing their values, um, yeah. and those values are, are directly connected uh, to the customers that they serve. And and I think their customers, I know I do, greatly appreciate that. And so I haven't seen any statistics on it, but I, I would doubt that their overall annual sales is is at all negatively impacted by shutting down on uh, you know on Black Friday. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if their annual sales actually increased. Uh, so again, I think that's a perfect example yeah, agree with you. where uh, you can be a very large store and still connect very uh, personally uh, with your customer base by connecting to common values. And I guess my last question then was how, how does uh, how does that values um, and connecting with those values with your consumer do you think apply to you know small independents and and how do they do that really uh, well because I I believe the future as you know of retail in many many ways is having a really strong stand across some values. We saw, to, you know, uh, uh, this week Nike doing it with a, a, a campaign yep. with Colin Kaepernick, which was really interesting. Um, right. And so we're going to see, I think, more of that, having a really defined point of view around this is what we stand for. And this is, I think, actually what the consumer wants. And any advice uh, to wrap up on on this for, for how pharmacists can do that? Absolutely. It's all about connecting locally within their communities. So, you know, you go to, I mean, and independent community pharmacies are great at this, um, and they need to do more of it. But, you know, going to a local Little League, uh, you know, football or baseball or any, you know, soccer, any sporting events, and, and you see local sponsorships of, of, you know, local small independent retailers and, and businesses supporting uh, the needs of their communities. And, and uh, so they may not have hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into, you know, national ad campaigns and, and those type of things, but they take their dimes and nickels and, and the money that they do have, and they create that connection um, in their communities and so, um, you know, and their schools and, and those type of things. And I think the, the evolving uh, mindset of the consumer appreciates that. I mean, you look at the younger generations, um, they do want to shop locally. They want that that niche kind of a of an experience, and certainly they're going to buy you know a lot of their stuff online, but they also want that experience. And so I would just encourage you know small independent retailers and, and in particular the pharmacies to create that localized experience within their front ends. And, and certainly you do it with the people that you have working there. Certainly you do that with your community outreach. Uh, but also, you know, use your front ends to that means as well and, you know, have, have a section perhaps that, that supports your local high school's team and, um, you, know, connect, uh, you know, connect that way with the, with the community mm-hmm. and certainly continue the outreach at the local level. And people appreciate that, and, and I think you're going to go more and more out of their way um, to do business with, uh, with people that they know are con- well-connected within the communities that they live. Yeah, I think that's great advice. The intersection between values and localization uh, is really interesting and something that uh, the bigger chains and the big online guys are, are going to struggle to replicate, and it is important for the consumer. So, uh, Brian, I think that's uh, great advice. And I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on Shopcast and share your insights and perspectives on what's happening in retail pharmacy today and what some of the yeah, uh, both the challenges and opportunities exist and uh, really appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to ShopCast, talking retail strategy. Please join host Michael Dart for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And check out past episodes at any time on demand. We hope you enjoy your week.